Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's Thursday on the Chris and Amy show. Usually we do this at 1030, but Amy Marks Kors and Chris Ranji, the two of us, are extremely accommodating to people we care about. (laughs) So much. And we are joined now by Chief Washington Correspondent for CBS News, Major Garrett. He is the host of the Takeout podcast, The Agent of Betrayal, another great podcast, and The Big Truth. This is a book, and it's good. The Big Truth, Upholding Democracy in the Age of the Big Lie. What's up, Major? Uh, Thank you for accommodating me. I had a... Yeah. A, a, a shift in my schedule unexpectedly today, and you were 100% accommodating, and I am deeply grateful. To Wait that. a oh, minute. Thank you so much. Are you saying that it's a pretty busy schedule being the chief, the CBS chief Washington correspondent? Dude, it seems like you could go get coffee six times a day if you want. Uh, yes. Uh, as, as I used to say when I covered the Trump White House on a daily basis, uh, what a long month last week was. Yeah. <laughs> if I were you, uh, I would probably. I, 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 I felt know. that I felt that way about yesterday. What a long month. Yeah. Yesterday was. Well, where do we start? Uh, Supreme Court decision. What a, what's yeah. the ripple effect today? So, look, uh, the ripple effect is as follows. It is a tactical legal victory for the former president in that the Supreme Court will take this case on. Our oral arguments will be held until April 22nd. If the Supreme Court moves very rapidly, an opinion could be released by the end of the following month, sometime late in May. There would be, of course, pretrial motions and a jury and paneling. All of that means at the earliest, a trial here in the District of Columbia at the federal courthouse on the January 6th related charges at the earliest would be mid-July. Is anything happening in mid-July? Oh, wait a minute. I know what's happening in mid-July. The Republican National Convention in Milwaukee. I mean, I mean, just think about the practical, not only difficulties, but mind-breaking reality of that. Felony charges against the former president of the United States who is about to be nominated as the leading candidate of the Republican Party at the convention when the trial is either about to start or just started. Or, I mean, it's, it's beyond comprehension and uh, will pressurize the collision that we've been living through all this calendar year and much of last year between law and politics as never before. That's the earliest it could happen. If it's delayed, then it could be August or September. And then the Justice Department would have to say, wait a minute, can can we, should we, is it proper to conduct this trial in the heat of a presidential campaign? Uh, all of that will be playing out through the summer and early fall. That's the tactical legal side of it. On the political side of it, many might be tempted to say, well, this is a win for Trump again. I'm not so sure about it, because if the trial is delayed or it's not held because it just can't be, then that doesn't mean the politics of the underlying cause of the charges related to January 6th suddenly go, go away. No, as a matter of fact, 
you have an entire constituency of Americans, Democrats and independents, some lightly attached Republicans, who'd be like, why aren't we having a trial? Why aren't we getting this thing adjudicated so we can determine the president's legal culpability for trying to deny a peaceful transfer of power? That will not take the political question about his underlying conduct and as a former president away from us. It will put it front and center. So it's a tactical legal victory, but I'm not sure it's a political victory. Uh, that's interesting, uh, Major, because I was I was starting to feel that because it will be delayed and it could be highly unlikely that he goes to trial before the election, that if he wins, it's a moot point. If he loses the presidential election, then maybe only then do we pursue it. So that's a slightly different viewpoint. And in your mind, is it a bigger deal that the Supreme Court granted it a writ of certiorari, or is it a bigger deal that they made the timeline the end of April? Both, both. Look, they, the Supreme Court could have decided and let everyone know weeks ago that it was going to hear this case. And it didn't. It took its sweet time and then scheduled uh, oral arguments a good deal of time later. Look, this case is not an un- unknown case. It was briefed, meaning briefs were submitted at the district court level and before the three-judge appellate panel in the District of Columbia. The, the Supreme Court justices are not missing any documentation about the underlying arguments here. It's all right in front of them. They could have made a much more rapid decision about whether to hear the case or schedule oral arguments sooner. And that's why I say this political atmosphere around this decision will not land well, because at least with Democrats and independents and lightly attached Republicans or anti-Trump Republicans, because they're like, no, you're already granting Trump immunity, even if you rule against him. De facto, by delaying this, you're creating a bubble of immunity around him by delaying this. And that's the way it's being perceived. And that's the way it inevitably must be perceived, because the court could have said, This is a super important constitutional question. It needs immediate consideration. And because this is in a political season, the law must render a judgment rapidly so it can back away from the political atmosphere and let everything else continue. But no, it is putting itself in the middle of it and by delaying things, creating more room for the law and less room for a political judgment. But the political judgment's coming one way or the other. Also yesterday, as you alluded to, a lot happening. Uh, Mitch McConnell deciding that he is no longer going mm-hmm. to be the Republican leader of the Senate, but he'll serve out his term. What mm-hmm. has been the reaction today and, and yesterday as well? So in politics, it's always better to move as opposed to being shoved. Uh, so uh, Mitch McConnell knew that after the uh November elections, whatever they, whatever comes of them, uh, he would not be re-elected leader of the Senate Republicans. And so you move, so you're not shoved, because he would have been shoved out of leadership position had he sought it again. So he's taking it on his terms and on his timing. And this will set off a very chaotic battle to be the Republican leader of the Senate. I would say no fewer than five or six Republicans will run for that position, and I have no way of handicapping any of that. Uh, Trump will weigh in uh, at his own good time, but I don't think he's going to weigh in any time soon. And there's a very real prospect Republicans have of winning a narrow majority, so the person who 
Yet this position would not just be the leader of the Republicans, but would be the majority leader of the Senate, setting the schedule and lots of other things, exercising that power. Uh, the immediate reaction was McConnell led Republicans in a lot of significant ways, tactically against Obama, Biden, and with Trump. Uh, his legislative record is a substantial, but his epitaph in American history will be the single most important senatorial figure to remake the composition of the United States Supreme Court. And Mitch McConnell did that with three justices appointed and confirmed by the Senate while Trump was president. Joe Biden and Donald Trump both down at the southern border today. Um, imagine they're not they're not hanging out. Uh, what do you see of the significance of both of them being down there? So you and I on this program for the better part of two and a half, maybe three years, have been talking about immigration as it relates to Biden policy. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the strengths uh, and one of the weaknesses of the sitting president of the United States, Joe Biden, is his stubbornness. Uh, That stubbornness uh, yielded results on the um, Bipartisan Infrastructure Act, the CHIPS Act, Inflation Reduction Act, other things that are achievements of the Biden administration because he stuck with it and didn't listen to all the noise and kept focused, blah, blah, blah. Well, stubbornness on immigration is it's not an issue. It's not an issue. Oh, it's just Republicans screaming on Fox. and It's just Trump trying to get me annoyed and aggravated and distracted. So I'm not going to I'm just it's not it's not a biggest deal as my Republican critics say it is. And that stubbornness has created a blindness that is only now being addressed by the Biden White House. This issue has been simmering and growing in salience and importance to voters steadily for three years. And when Trump goes to the border and now Biden goes on the same day, the country will absorb it as Biden is trying to play catch up. Uh, Biden does have a talking point to say, look, I tried to to, to create a legislative solution and I worked with Republicans and we had a good bill and it was passed by the Senate and Trump and the House Republicans killed it. That is a talking point and it's grounded in truth. That bill would have made a significant difference for the long term, but it still doesn't equalize this result in, in the saliency of the issue or criticism of Biden policies. Trump has the upper hand there and coming to the border on the same day with Trump will not equalize things for the president. He is and probably for the next few months, if not for the remainder of this campaign, will be playing catch up on this issue. So this proposed Senate border bill, which has not been brought to the House floor for a Mm -hmm. vote, um, apparently has all kinds of support, even by Republicans and would have passed the House. Does does any yeah. of that move the political needle, the fact that uh, Mike Johnson won't bring it to the floor, but it was a bipartisan deal that was agreed upon? Right. It should. It, it, it all depends on how aggressive the White, ha- White House is about driving that message. And this is an opportunity for the president to drive it at the border today. And I guarantee you he will repeat it in the State of the Union address next Thursday. It all depends on how he, the president frames it and said, look. And maybe he takes on some responsibility and says, look, I was stubborn. I wasn't paying as much attention as I should have. My good intentions to take care of people who are coming to our border, who are distressed because of economics or violence or other things, maybe I was too accommodating to them. And I'm going to change. And I tried to change. And I tried to listen to you, the American public, and build a legislative decision that would have more permanence and more strength than executive actions. But now I'm only left with executive actions because Republicans led by Trump killed the most aggressive border security bill ever. And quite clearly, that legislation was. 
That is something Democrats and the president can talk about. But they have to drive that message because they are, as again, as I said before, playing catch up. And when you're playing catch up, you have to match rhetoric with rhetoric. And they're about two and a half years behind. Major, who's on the podcast this week? I just recorded it. That was one of the many things that I was juggling this morning. So uh, if you are someone who's been around politics as long as I have, you remember fondly the name Joe Klein. He wrote the definitive book about politics in the 90s, Primary Colors, which was as great uh, a, a novel based in truth about a presidential campaign that I've ever come across. He has a partner on a podcast they do called Night Owls named John Ellis. They both have their own journalistic enterprises on Substack. Anyway, Joe Klein, John Ellis on the takeout this week, and it was super fun. We just did that. Looking forward to hearing it. Listen, Major Garrett, we thank you for being part of our day. Always. Thank you for your accommodation. Yes. So very I mean, much. Oh How about us, right? Props to you. Props yeah, to you. Yeah. Because Major <laughs> goes has, out of his way to talk to us every single that's week. That's exactly and we love right. It. Major Major has to lower himself to talk no, to us come on. each week. This is have you do you see I, what goes I ride the elevator to the penthouse to talk to you. <laughs> do you see what goes on in Washington every week? This is the highlight for him. Uh-huh. We are a lot of fun, if nothing else, Major. You guys are. You guys are. You are a kick. You are a kick. And I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Thank Major. You. Major Garrett, Chief Washington Correspondent for CBS News. He's on Twitter at Major Garrett. Again, The Takeout and Agent of Betrayal. Those are his podcasts. His book, The Big Truth, Upholding Democracy in the Age of the Big Lie. What? No, I. that's great. And I was going to say, um, we're going to honor someone else who was, a, who was a big kick. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.